Chapter sixty four of the Queen's Necklace by Alexandre Dubin. The translator is unknown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gail Timmerman Vaughan. Chapter sixty four The Rendezvous. When Charny arrived at his estates, the doctor ordered him to keep within doors and not receive visitors, orders which he rigorously obeyed, to the great disappointment of all the young ladies in the neighborhood who were most anxious to see this young man reputed to be at once so brave and so handsome his malady however was more mental than bodily he was devoured by regrets by longings and by ennui so after a week he set off one night on horseback and before the morning was at versailles he found a little house there outside the park which had been empty for some time it had been inhabited by one of the king's huntsmen who had cut his throat and since then the place had been deserted. There Chani lived in profound solitude, but he could see the queen from afar, when she walked in the park with her ladies, and when she again went in, he could see her windows from his own, and watch her lights every evening until they disappeared, and he even fancied he could see her shadow pass before the window. One evening he had watched all this as usual, and after sitting two hours longer at his window was preparing to go to bed, for midnight was striking from a neighboring clock when the sound of a key turning in a lock arrested his attention. It was that of a little door leading into the park, only twenty paces from his cottage, and which was never used, except sometimes, on hunting days. Whoever it was that entered did not speak, but closed it again quietly and entered an avenue under his windows. At first, Charny could not distinguish them through the thick wood, though he could hear the rustling of dresses. But as they emerged into an open space and bright moonlight, he almost uttered a cry of joy in recognizing the tournure of Marie Antoinette and a glimpse of her face. She held in her hand a beautiful rose. Stifling his emotion, he stepped down as quickly as possible into the park and hid behind a clump of trees where he could see her better. Oh, thought he, were she but alone, I would brave tortures or death itself that I might once fall on my knees before her and tell her, I love you. Oh, were she but menaced by some danger, how gladly he would have risked his life to save hers. Suddenly the two ladies stopped, and the shortest, after saying a few words to her companion in a low voice, left her. The queen therefore remained alone, and Charny felt inclined to run towards her. But he reflected that the moment she saw him, she would take fright and call out, and that her cries would first bring back her companion, and then the guards, that his retreat would be discovered, and he should be forced to leave it. In a few minutes the other lady reappeared, but not alone. Behind her came a man muffled up in a large cloak, and whose face was concealed by a slouch hat. This man advanced with an uncertain and hesitating step to where the queen stood, when he took off his hat and made a low bow. The surprise which Shani felt at first soon changed into a more painful feeling. Why was the queen in the park at this time of night? Who was this man who was waiting for her, and whom she had sent her companion to fetch. Then he remembered that the queen often occupied herself with foreign politics, much to the annoyance of the king. Was this a secret messenger from Schönbrunn or from Berlin? This idea restored him to some degree of composure. The queen's companion stood a few steps off, anxiously watching, lest they should be seen. But it was as necessary to guard against spies in a secret political rendezvous as in one of love. After a short time, Charny saw the gentleman bow to the ground, and turned to leave, when the companion of the queen said to him, Stop. He stopped, and the two ladies passed close to Charny, 
who could even recognize the queen's favorite scent, Vervain, mixed with mignonette. They passed on and disappeared. A few moments after the gentleman passed, he held in his hand a rose, which he pressed passionately to his lips. Did this look political? Charny's head turned. He felt a strong impulse to rush on this man and tear the flower from him. When the queen's companion reappeared and said, Come, Monseigneur, he joined her quickly and they went away. Charny remained in a distracted state, leaning against the tree. End of chapter 64